Blog Talk Radio. Okay, well, I'm not sure there. Okay, excellent. Well, hello. The, so the music played automatically, which I wasn't expecting, but uh, that, that's awesome. This is Michael. Uh, today is Wednesday, June 2nd. We're already into June. It's really summertime now. And uh, at least in Florida, it's super hot. Robin is not going to join us today, I guess. She uh, she seems to maybe have been taken over by work. So I'm going to be doing the show solo. Our guest today is, a, is someone I've known for quite a while. Uh, her name is Carrie Davidson, and she's with a company called Affimax Global. Carrie, hi. Welcome to Drive Through HR. How are you today? I'm great, Michael. It's nice to join you today. Yeah, thanks for being a guest. Um, appreciate it. I know it's uh, not something you do on the regular in, in terms of podcasts and stuff. And I, uh, I'm, I'm excited to have you as a guest, though, because the, the work you do um, is sort of a, a, an extension of human resources, definitely. But you kind of touch on an area that not a lot of people um, in the HR community deal with on a daily or, or even a regular, semi-regular basis, uh, albeit that you do staffing type work, but it's, it, it's of a different nature. So, um, I, and I guess, but what I mean by that is you, you, you are, you're employed with Affimat Global, which is a company that um, does a, a number of different things, uh, including executive security and, and stuff like that. But, one of the main, other main lines of business and what we're going to spend most of our time talking about today is, is that you provide human resources solutions, temporary staffing and labor to business interruptions. Uh, and, and I suppose those can be sometimes not overly complex, but then you, you, you deal with a lot of unusual situations as well, whether that be some company that may have experienced uh, a natural, uh, you know, some damage to their workplace or their loss of the ability to, to staff because of natural disaster and, and also because of uh, work stoppages or labor strikes. And since those, are, those, those occur regularly, but not, you know, not hundreds of times a year um, for most companies, this is something that a lot of HR practitioners probably haven't spent a lot of time focusing on. So um, with that set up, I guess the first question I would ask is for the benefit of our listeners, why don't you introduce yourself and kind of talk about what you do from your perspective? Sure. Thanks again for uh, asking me to join. And my name is Carrie Davidson, and I am with AFIMAC Global. Um, I've been in the industry of contingency planning for about 16 years now, um, and my responsibilities include um, building new relationships and maintaining current client relationships. I help educate and assist with all contingency planning um, my expertise is in security, replacement workers, um, logistical support, um, and we've been doing a lot of work with our clients lately. I've actually been doing this for quite some years, but with supplemental labor due to labor shortages, gaps in skill sets, um, and now, of course, COVID absenteeism. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, that, so, so AFIMAC talks about you know, helping provide support during a business interruption. And I guess I, I kind of briefly described a couple, but let's start 
with what 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 does it mean to you when you talk about responding to a business interruption or business disruption, not an interruption, but a disruption? What what is give us a couple of examples of things that that might entail, and kind of how you how you start to fill that gap. So the biggest one uh, we assist clients with is strikes. Whether actually I should say labor disputes, whether it's a strike or a lockout situation, um, mm-hmm. we have we have planning. So if a client of ours has a contract that's expiring with the union, um, they reach out to us and want to do some planning. So part of that planning is we would come to their facility and do uh, an in-depth, detailed site assessment, where we tour the facility, the perimeter. Um, look for any vulnerabilities. Uh, we tour the inside of the facility. We look at the their uh, actual machine equipment processes, safety procedures, and then we gather all this detailed information to bring back with us to develop this in-depth, detailed contingency plan in case that there's a labor dispute. So when companies have a contract that's expiring, every 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 company is unique. So some, some companies have inventory that's already built up, so they might not need mm-hmm. replacement workers for four to six weeks. Some companies need uh, replacement workers immediately to get product out the door. Uh, some companies have salaried in management. Um, as I explained, we're currently assisting over 20 manufacturers right now um, throughout the United States and Canada with supplemental labor just due to labor shortages, so another interruption mm-hmm. in business. We've been speaking with uh, some, we've hear, hearing stories from companies. Uh, I spoke with a, a guy in a manufacturing facility recently that put $10,000 down on a job fair and only had two people attend. So we wow. have hundreds of workers out in the field right now um, just supplementing until they're able to hire locals. And as you brought up, we also do natural disasters. Um, I can tell you we assisted a large energy company in the beginning of COVID. So we have a lot of equipment, um, dormitories, uh, kitchens, showers, trailers, restrooms. Um, and, and this energy company in the beginning of COVID wanted to make sure that, that the employees were safe. And so we deployed an entire base camp where these workers would quarantine in our base camps for 14 mm-hmm. days until they were cleared to go to work. So anything that might interrupt a business from a staffing perspective, we have resources. You and and as I said, these are not for the most part. These are not your average. You just can't hire somebody because you had high turnover. These these tend to be sort of events that are driven by something more extreme or more desperate might not be the right word, but it's the best I can come up with. Um, so, so you guys provide equipment, you, pr- you provide expertise and resources, and you actually provide labor, supplemental labor. Um, how do you do, how do you do that, Carrie, in a, uh, in an environment where, you know, like you mentioned the guy you spoke to who dropped $10,000 to get two applicants, how do you guys uh, attract and find people to do this supplemental work? Sure, great question. I get that and asked all the time. So we have a database of literally thousands of folks in the database. 
ranging skill sets ranging from general labor to highly skilled maintenance, literally everything in between. And how I like to tell people that have never utilized our services is it's kind of like the deadliest catch, right? So they go out for the season, the, the fishing season. Um, they're on the boat. They're earning a ton of money, and then they get back, and then they're, they're done fishing, or they go work at the local Walmart or wherever they go. Our mm-hmm. model workforce is kind of similar to that. So, for instance, whether it be non-strike, whether it be strike, or whether it be natural disasters, these folks are guaranteed in a non-strike environment at least 60 hours. That's really what attracts them away from their home is they're getting that overtime. So they can go to work whether, again, strike, non-strike, or natural disaster, and they're working, they're away from home, so they're working a bunch of hours. They're basically working and sleeping, <laughs> and, uh, you know, they could work three months, and then the project ends, and then they can take two or three months off where you and I mm-hmm. have to work a couple of years to get a couple of weeks off. So they can kind of pick and choose the area of the country they want to work. And, you know, they can work as much as they want and then take as much time as they want off. So this is, this is kind of a, this is an opportunity that sort of fits a certain, a certain individual with a certain temperament about work. Doesn't mind working long hours for long periods of time because they get a, they, in some ways they get a trade, a trade off of being kind of the luxury of a lot of time off later on if that works for them. Absolutely. It's really kind of a model, uh, a model that they, that's, that's their model of work. It's kind of like yeah. a traveling mm-hmm. contractor basically is what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it makes sense. Um, you had, I want to go back backwards for a second. You had mentioned that, that you guys offer, uh, you know, sort of a, 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 a an emerge, a planning process that you go in and collect a bunch of information um, for our listeners and not to take away from what you guys do, but um, if, if, in, in particular, if you, if you work in a unionized environment and you, you have labor negotiations coming up where your contract is under renewal, it's a pretty routine exercise for human resources practitioners, labor relations practitioners to write a strike contingency plan, at least a bare bones plan that looks, uh, that looks at really, to your point, I think about your process, it really needs to take into account every aspect of your business from how, like how are you, like who's going to do the work is, is a big one, obviously. And your, your point is, do, can we build up inventory? Can we outsource the work to other locations that the company may own in other parts of the country that aren't unionized and, and will be operating? Can you, you know, do you, do you bring in supplemental people like you've mentioned? I mean, there's a number of alternatives, but I think there are some other factors. I mean, and you mentioned sort of their processes and all those sorts of things, but there are some other uh, particular factors that come into play in, in the strike planning, strike contingency planning process that I think people don't, and they're not really HR specific. And so as a couple of examples, Carrie, and I want to kind of have you run down through these and kind of how people should be thinking about them. A couple of aspects that I'm thinking of, one is transportation, like your supply chain. How do you get materials into a plant where there's a picket line? And, and how do you get replacement workers in, in there if, you, um, if that's the route you go? Because that is a very contentious move. And obviously the people who are on strike will have major problems with that because you, you are now employing people who are coming in and taking their jobs. 
um, the company is is now employing people who are going to coming in and taking their jobs. And so there are there are security issues, there are logistics issues, Can, and you guys you guys deal with providing not just the help the labor, but solutions to all those. So can you kind of walk us through those aspects as well? Sure. So um, when we do a site assessment, we literally uh, assess everything that could. Uh, we're in the business of contingency planning, so you always have to have another contingency plan for another contingency plan. So, for instance, mm-hmm. UPS, FedEx, they usually will not um, deliver during a labor dispute. And so those are parts of the checklist that we go off during our assessment. Um, do we need to assign security, um, maybe a, com- a shift commander, to go over and pick up your UPS and your FedEx? When it comes to the vendors in the transportation um, we work with the companies to, to see if they need what's called a cross dock. And so sometimes the vendors and suppliers that are supporting the core business um, do not or will not cross a picket line. So those are plans that we work out with the client. And do you need a cross dock? And if, that, if you do, then you can ship all of your vendors and suppliers to that cross dock and maybe they'll drop the load and one of our drivers will pick up the load and then drive it across the picket line. Um, mm-hmm. Then we also talk about salaried and management. Um, some folks, it, it is a, a t- totally unfamiliar environment for them, and so the, the senior leadership will ask us to uh, put up a, a, a basic um, parking access for them where they can park, and then we will transport them because we know the laws surrounding the National Labor Relations Act, um, what you can and can't do when crossing a picket line. Um, and so we can transport the salary to management. Um, when it comes to the replacement workers, we transport them as well, usually in buses um, or 15-passenger vans. Mm-hmm. And, and this, that's done for a number of reasons, but it's, it's actually safety of those employees that are going into the plant, whether they be you know, the management team of the company that has the strike happening or your supplemental workers. And, and also the, the, the safety and security of the people on the picket line because that can sometimes become a, a dangerous and contentious place, right, especially when they're – like if they, if they move to try to block people from gaining access to a plant, and now you have vehicles moving and people trying to obstruct their, um, trying to obstruct their ability to get onto the property. Um, so there, there's – I think probably you guys need to coordinate with, like, uh, both private security as well as maybe local law enforcement and that kind of thing? So we actually have specialized strike security. Um, and when, it, when I'm dealing with a client that has never utilized a service like this before, and they, they say, well, we have, we have security on site. And I say, that's fine. Your security will continue to um, secure the premises. However, um, our folks are specialized in the laws surrounding the National Labor Relations Act. So all of our security guards are trained in and go through rigorous training um, regarding the act so that they don't cause an unfair labor practice charge when videotaping something or when crossing a picket line. So our security guards are there specifically for documentation in case if there is uh, something that happens on the picket line. So you still could have contract guards there, but we have the specialized uh, strike security. Mm. Makes sense. Um, 
I just so so a couple things here, Carrie. I want first of all, I want to we're about halfway through already, believe it or not. It's thirty minute show, so it's uh, to go quick. Um, I want to do a quick reset. Our uh, this is Michael. We're doing a show today uh, with uh, our guest, whose name is Carrie Davidson. I've known Carrie for a number of years through our affiliation with Q Inc. Um, and Carrie works for a company called AFI Max, which provides uh, supplemental labor and other services related to business disruptions or interruptions, including things like strikes, uh, natural disasters, and, and, and a number of other kinds of uh, events that we don't deal with in HR every day, and we're kind of talking about how they help with that. Um, another another aspect, I think, of the planning, Carrie, um, first of all, uh, it's not, I mean, your service is fine and you guys are happy to do it as consultants to come in and, you know, provide your expertise and write up a whole plan. But that's something that uh, a practitioner can do on their own. There are checklists out there from organizations like Q or from SHRM and different places or many of your labor counsel can provide you those kind of things. So it's not unusual to have a, an HR professional or a site manager write their own strike contingency plan but contact you to help be, be a vendor to help fill those gaps um, with with things so you mentioned cross docking that's so like with truck drivers right if a lot of a lot of truck drivers are teamsters they also be up besides UPS and FedEx um, they also are often reluctant to cross picket lines as well right so the cross dock solution is something that helps with that because you guys will have truck drivers of your own that will take drop the loads as you said and pick them up and take them across the line to keep the plant supplied with raw materials that is correct and we yep. also offer so, the off-site parking for salary and management. Right. Um, what about, speaking of management, what about um, in terms of who directs the workers uh, that in a, in a supplemental situation like you may arise, um, clearly they come in and begin to perform the jobs of, of people who aren't there uh, and available to work for whatever the reason may be. But who is it the internal company that usually manages them, or do you guys also have a management team on site that kind of helps with the management of the of the supplemental workers? We actually do require on site management um, and uh, the main thing I'd like to point out regarding on site management uh, is to keep from any co employment issues mm-hmm. so our, that's what I was kind of heading manager, towards yep. Yeah, our manager issue it does all the HR functions, the drug testing. Um, it, it is in the constant care and control of our employees, even on and off the clock. Um, they handle all of the payroll, the employee personal files, um, all of that. I like to say it's kind of like we're a staffing agency in a sense. Uh, we have all the functions in HR work that a staffing agency w- would have, but we just don't have a local office there. So the the main mm-hmm key point of the the on-site management is to keep from the co-employment issues. Yeah, and and I had a I had it as a question and I, I guess it's really not that much of a question, but I I think people that are listening can probably already draw this conclusion, but this, this your your type of service and the supplemental labor and the services you provide those aren't to be confused with with man, manpower. Like you don't just pick up the phone and say, "Hey, Mac, I need a a guy to fill in for a week of vacation." You guys are there to do really heavy duty projects, and and things that are far beyond the norm for what a, 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 a an agency like Manpower would deal with. I guess, right? That is correct. So em- employees, when they sign on with us to go to a project, they're signing on for the duration of the project, whether it's you know, two weeks for a supplemental job or three months. Um, 
We don't get the turnover as a local staffing agency would. Um, these folks are away from home and they're away to, to make money and to work and, and then take time off when they're done. So we're definitely not anything like nowhere near as a, a local staffing agency. Yeah, you bring you bring the people. I, I I don't know where they like. I don't know where it probably depends. But you bring people, I presume, from all over the country from your database. Assemble a crew that fits the needs of whatever the particular situation requires, and they're probably staying in. I would guess like local hotels, that kind of. I mean, so they're, they're to your point, they're living away from home. They're 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 mostly living and breathing work or sleeping when they're not working kind of thing. It's a, a is that a is that a fair description? That is correct. Yeah. So, so this kind of stuff, um, I guess the point I'm driving at is this is a very specialized service. Um, if you need something like this, um, it's a great resource. Um, it, it doesn't come cheap, and I'm not asking you to, to discuss pricing or anything, Carrie, but this is, I mean, the services that you guys provide are, are uh, they, I mean, they're, they're, very, they're very specific and unique. And so I, I assume this comes with a premium. So how do you – and, and I, I point that out for a, a reason because I want to kind of – I guess the question, and it wasn't on the list that I sent you, but it occurred to me while we were sitting here. The question I want to ask is how do you, how do you work with a client, um, unless, you know, assuming they're not calling you out of the blue saying, oh, my God, I need, I need 600 people next week. How do you work with a client and what kind of things should HR practitioners who've never dealt with this but might have to someday, what should they be thinking about now? Well, if it's, it, I mean, the two separate service lines, or actually three with the natural disasters, is, is really kind of different in a timing aspect. Um, right now we're getting people calling left and right, how quickly can you get these non-strike labor here because they're suffering such a labor shortage. Um, right. Those people, we're, 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 at this point, we're pushing folks out two to three weeks for a deployment um, because we, we have so many people that are in such desperate need. But when it comes mm -hmm. to planning for a contract expiring with the union, I typically like to say, you know, if you've got about 150 in the bargain unit, I'd start pre-planning three to six months prior to expiration, just depending on how in-depth of a plan do you need. Do you need a cross-stock? Do we need to locate an off-site parking? Um, you know, there, it, there's many factors in that. Uh, anything over about 200 in the bargaining unit, I would say, you know, a, six months is safe to say, especially if you've got some operators in your facility that are very unique to your facility. I'd say about 95% of the workforce um, that, that folks need from us or require from us is in our database and have worked for us for many, many years. But sometimes hmm. you might have a company that has a very antiquated piece of equipment that we don't have that specific skill set in our database. It may take us longer to recruit for that, and there not, might not be in the database. So it all just depends on how many you have in the bargaining unit and, you know, what type of plan are you going to put together. Right, is it going to be an in-depth with a cross-dock, with security, with um, some of our folks, uh, we have kitchens, and so we have to move logistic equipment where we're, if there's a strike, we are there to feed all the salaried and management so they're not having to cross the picket line to get lunch and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So it just depends mm -hmm. on what, what type of plan you're going to put together and how in-depth it is. Yep. It, yeah, it, to it totally, uh, 
I, I guess the point I'm trying to get across, and like I said, I've never actually had to engage a strike plan, but I've written probably a hundred of them. Um, seems like anyway, <laughs> writing, a, you, you know, it's not something that you write at the last minute when you think there might be a strike because your negotiations have gone sideways, you know, during the, during the negotiating period, you have to have this stuff laid out to your point, six, eight, maybe even more than months than that ahead of time to make sure you have approvals, to make sure that you know who your vendors like, like AFI Mac, there are other companies that do similar work, but whether you're going to use AFI Mac or another vendor, um, sometimes it's multiple vendors. Sometimes there are issues that you discover that you hadn't considered. Um, so from, a, from an HR practitioner standpoint, um, the consulting companies saying that they need about six months. Um, I would say probably if you know your contract's expiring, you should be thinking about your, your, your strike plan, even if you never use it you should be thinking about uh, reviewing it or drafting it or whatever stage it may be at um, probably a, a year or, or less before your negotiations begin so that you have that in your back pocket also so that you have necessary approvals and aren't trying to do discovery on operations things that HR people don't always, aren't as always attuned to during the negotiations process, right? It also is, uh, if you're not going to hire FIMAC or a similar company to do it for you and you're going to do it yourself, there's also nothing wrong with creating a cross-functional team of folks to operations that can help kind of help own some of the pieces of a strike plan and put it together. So there are a number of ways to do it. Uh, as I said, there are there's some good information out there. If anybody, you know, wants to ever, ever wanted to talk to me about it, I'd be happy to speak to, that, to it as well. Um, we have about, hold on, Carrie, this thing goes by really fast. We have four and a half minutes left to go. So let me just run down through. Let's see if there one. Like let me also tell you, Michael, and for your and for your yeah, listeners, we um we had, we deal with companies that have never put together an actual uh, a plan, um, and we have an outline that we share with the companies that basically is just it's it, it you can take a look at it and you might find some points in there and say you know I didn't even think of that and we share that with our right. clients at no cost. I, it, so I'd be happy to share that with you, Michael, to share with others as well. Um, and it's a very – for us to do a plan, the only cost is for us to do the assessment and if you decide you want us to recruit the workforce. So the insurance policy is very, very minimal. Yep. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, I'll uh, – yeah, you can you can certainly send it to me, but also you're, I'll, I'm, in a second I'm going to ask you to give your contact info. And I assume if somebody wants it, they can contact you directly as well. So either way works – either way works for me. Um, I had just one other question that I lost. Sorry, I was jumping around trying to make sure we got time. Um, we kind of touched on this, Carrie, but um, besides strikes, uh, natural disasters, you're, you're, you mentioned COVID, I guess. So what, what, other, what other sort of things have you seen in, the, in your career that have caused, um, you know, these business disruptions that might, might surprise people to hear about besides Ill, um, disease and earthquakes and that kind of stuff? Yeah, basically the the hurricanes are a big one. Um, we assist a lot of chemical uh, facilities um, with if, if a hurricane is coming with ensuring the safe mm -hmm. shutdown um, until the systems are idle or the workers return after the, the hurricane is hit. Uh, we've deployed a lot of uh, food crews um, to feed the, the folks that are doing the cleanup. We've also provided actual workers to clean up um, when there's a natural disaster. So those are the main gotcha. key ones. 
Okay. It's been great. We have about two minutes left. So um, have an opportunity here uh, both to get you to share your, your personal information and then just if, if there's any closing thought that you have that you might want to mention to folks that, you know, may, may need this type of service in the future. So tell us where they can find you and kind of what, where to get started, I guess. <laughs> sure. Again, thank you so much for uh, having me join you. And again, it's Carrie Davidson at A-F-I-M-A-C global.com. Otherwise, you can reach me at 440-821-7412. Thanks, Carrie. Um, I appreciate you being a guest on the show. It's good to catch up with you a little bit. And I'm going to go ahead and end the episode, and it will go live here in a minute. I'll set, I will send you the link and you can uh, share it out if, if you choose to do so. Otherwise, I hope everyone has a great Wednesday afternoon. We have another show tomorrow, so I will talk to you again. And uh, have a great day, Carrie. Take care. Hey, Michael. Hope to see you at Q soon. Yeah, likewise. I missed that for sure. See you soon. Bye. Absolutely. Bye-bye.